Father God, speak to us this morning. Give us your word. Give us your word. Motivate us, encourage us, prepare us, Lord, to continue fighting this battle that we're in. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Again, since there's so many new people, I don't mind talking a little bit about my Marine days. Uh, I could do one. I could do one. <laughs> I, was a, I was 18 years old when I joined the Marine Corps, and um, I, was, I was 19 when I became, I, I had my birthday during boot camp, and I was 19 when I became a United States Marine. Now, when people say, like, oh, you're in the military, what's your MOS? MOS stands for Military Occupational uh, what was it, Specialty, right? And so even though people join the military, it's like a regular city. All types of jobs. You have law offices on base, which the, law, the lawyers are military officers. But then you have legal clerks, legal assistants, those are all military personnel. We used to get all our stuff from warehouses, right, supply. Guess what? They were all military personnel. Well, they were. They've outsourced that to civilian contractors these days. But um, in my time, there were all military people doing that. People that would drive trucks, they call them motor T, and they were all military personnel. The mechanics were all military, per, uh, military personnel. The cooks were all military personnel. We got a, right, we got a military cook in the house. And, and, and they would, yo, I don't know how he did it, but they would wake up like 2 o'clock in the morning because they had to have breakfast ready for the, for the, for the base. And it was, it was ridiculous. Sorry. So, yo, you got that. You got that, Chris. Um, all types of jobs. So my job, I was, and let me see the correct name. I don't want to give you guys my slang that we learned, right? I was uh, 6541. And... Um, what that meant was I was the aviation ordnance systems technician. And that sounds super fancy, right? Right? That sounds fancy, right? And re- to break it down, what I did was or, uh, aviation ordnance. So aviation is anything that flies in the sky. Automatically means I was in the air wing. I wasn't with the grunts. The grunts are all the ground side. Air. And I was in the air wing, and ordnance systems are anything that makes a loud noise, like missiles, rockets, bombs, machine guns, all the cool stuff that goes on the helicopters and on the jets, right? It sounds super cool to work with stuff like that. And it was pretty cool at times um, because, you know, you got to work on those missile launchers and rocket pads and you get to fly. I was in the helo, ground side, air wing. I was in the air wing, but the air wing was also split. Fixed wing, jets and helo squadrons. I was <clears throat> in the best of the best. We were part of a helo squadron. Helico- it's okay. I could be proud. I could be proud. She told me to calm down. No, I can't calm down. Woman, I can't. You know what it is to wake up every morning to the sound of... <laughs> and going to sleep to the sound of... <laughs> like those helicopters. You know, it's beautiful. It's music to my ears. I got my daughter. I got my daughter now. Every time a helicopter passes by, she's like, Daddy, look, a helicopter. And we both just stare at it in, in awe. Like, oh, yes. You know, taking it in. Now, the thing is that although everyone that would join the military 
had a specified job in the military, everyone had to do the same boot camp. So a cook would do the same boot camp that an infantryman would. The same boot camp. Uh, a, a guy that works with electronic systems and avionics would go to the same boot camp and do the same things that somebody which is a machine gunner or something like that. Everyone received the same training. Because in the Marine Corps, they say that every Marine is a rifleman first. Every Marine is a rifleman. We know every Marine will know how to use his or her weapon, no matter what job they do. They may never see a weapon again throughout their enlistment, but they know how to use it. But they know how to use it. Uh, I had more, but my wife was telling me, you know, I'll, 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 I'll submit to no more Marine stuff for, for right now. Combat training was important. Combat training was so important that it didn't matter if you would never see combat, you were going to know how to survive or how to defend yourself if you ever got in that situation. This is part six of the battle series. Can you believe it? Part six? Yo, we going on a marathon on this thing. It doesn't matter what area of ministry you think or you know that God has called you to. You can say, well, I feel God has just led me to clean the church. You could say, God has just led me to, you know, to, to fix things in the church. Well, God has called me to be a Bible teacher. But I had called, God. It doesn't matter the spectrum of jobs that are, are within ministry. Everyone needs to know how to use their weapons. Everyone. So in the army of God, everyone should be a basic rifleman first. Everyone should understand the weaponry that God has given us to be successful over the enemy. And that is why we're going through this series. That's why we're really just diving into this because it's important, not only for your spiritual growth, but your spiritual survival. Some people are like, oh, yeah. no, no, you need to know these things to continue to walk in your relationship with the Lord. We've learned in this series and we're reminded of, uh, you know, why we're in this spiritual war talked about the mind battlefield being the, the mind being a fierce battlefield we talk about some uh, temptation that satan uses that it's one of their primary weapons to establish strongholds and some of us are realizing how hard these strongholds are to tear down and if we rewind the clock <laughs> we can almost because when, when we're finally honest and surrender to god and we, and we rewind the clock we can almost realize like ooh. That's where I gave the enemy a footstool. That's where he put his foot in real quick and was like, ah, I got you now. And many times it was something that we could have overcame. Well, we could have because we can overcome temptation. Last week we began to look at the armor of God, which we all need to actively uh, to put on the whole armor to be actively effective in this war. Right? We touched on the girdle, which is not a girdle, girdle, like y'all know, but it's the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, 
and putting on the preparation of the gospel of peace on your feet. We're going to continue in the army of, on the armor of God, and we're going to take a look at the shield of faith. But I want to read again the verses before we begin. So let's look at Ephesians chapter 6, verses 12 through 18. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God. What are y'all going to say? Whole, all right. That you may be able to withstand the, and, and this, this withstand the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore, having girdled your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take, it says all the fiery darts. All, anything. Above all, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Thank you, Jesus. So let's talk about the shield. Today we're going to go over some fun facts, five of them, that relate to the shield of faith. The first one is, this shield was, was big. It wasn't the little ones that we sometimes see in movies um, that like, you know, you see some knights that look all pretty, all dressed up, blinged out, and their shield is like just the size of their little arm. Like, it wasn't that. It wasn't that. It was a large shield. In the original Greek transcripts of the scriptures, the word uh, thureos is used meaning large, four-cornered shield. So whenever you see pictures of the armor of God, you know, cartoons, whatever, if it's round, they got it wrong. They got it wrong. Send somebody a note. Like, it wasn't round. It wasn't round. Back then, the Roman soldiers' shields were not round. They were rectangular, right? And then the, from that Greek word, uh, we get door from it. Believe it or not, it meant door to them. So it was almost as big as a door that they were carrying in front of them. It's the, the dimensions of a Roman, so, uh, Roman uh, shield was four feet in length. Yo, you, it was too late when I thought about it, but I was like, yo, I should, I should text Aiden and be like, yo, make me a shield real quick. And so I could show it for demonstration, maybe, maybe to wrap it all up, right? But it was four feet in length, and it was two and a half feet wide. So if I, so if I would have had it in front, like to have one, it almost covers the, my entire length of my body, and it just about covers the width as well. Therefore, it would protect a soldier's entire body. It was usually generally made out of wood and covered with a thick layer of leather, a coating like a leather. They would cover it with that. Since 
since it was as large as a Roman's body, it was easier to advance and advance, and your body, for the most part, was protected. It was protected, and they wouldn't have the fear of being struck by arrows and spears. Now, if you were to drop that spear, I mean that, that shield, then at that point it's like, shoot me. You're in danger. These soldiers truly trusted their shields to protect them. Like, we're going to talk more about them and how it was a part of them. Like, you know, but it was like, it wasn't just something that they picked up. I remember in the military, we had a, uh, the rifle's creed. This is my rifle. There are many like it, but this is mine. Blah, 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 blah. I won't do the whole one, right? But the thing is that they almost brainwash you to understand that that is a part of you. It's a part of you. It's not something you can put down and pick up. It's something that belongs on you always. Like, it's a part of you. And the Roman soldiers, th- these shields, it wasn't just something they would pick up or drop down, pick up. It was a part of them when they were on the battlefield. They felt safe. They, they trusted their shields. My question for us this morning, early this morning, is are we trusting the Lord? Are we trusting that he'll stop the enemy's arrows? They knew that if somebody would shoot an arrow at them and their shield was up, the shield would stop the arrow. They knew this. They knew this. And they trusted that. And in this walk of faith, my question is, are you trusting that God will stop any arrow that the enemy throws your way. I mean, beyond, beyond, beyond the doubt, they trusted. I mean, they didn't have to be like, well, maybe today someone's using armor-piercing arrow tips or something. No, they didn't, they didn't worry about that. They just knew. They had a faith. It was beyond. No, it's, I'm protected. Our faith should be as such. I know who my God is. I know he covers me. I know he protects me. And any attempt the enemy will take on my life, that shield will take, will quench it, will will absorb it. And if you don't feel that way, then it's because your shield is on the ground where it does not belong. I want to take a look at... uh, Psalms chapter 37, verse 1 to 3. Don't worry about the wicked or envy those who do wrong. For like grass, they soon fade away. Like spring flowers, they soon wither. Trust in the Lord and do good. Then you will live safely in the land and prosper. The word tells us to trust in the Lord. Trust. Have faith. Trust him. Doing so allows you to live in peace. If, you don't, if you're not trusting God, then that's why you're so anxious. That's why you're so, like, fidgety. That's why you're so scared. You're so worried. You're full of fear. If you, if you don't know, oh, but tomorrow I don't know what's going to happen. And this and this and this and this and this and you're going out and you're living a life like, uh, 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 it's because you're not trusting in the Lord. The second fact, yo, trusting in the Lord allows us to have peace 
when the world around us is full of chaos. Do you understand that? You ever seen like cartoons or movies of like the end of the world, apocalypse, things are going bad, there's so much going on. And imagine in the midst of all that, imagine in the midst of all that, you walking, and as you're walking, there's, there's a sunshine beam just over you. And, and everywhere you walk, the grass is green and the birds are chirping and this and that because there's a peace in the midst of chaos if you choose to trust the Lord. But that's your decision. I can't, I can't do that for you. I can't do that for you. The second fact about the shield is that this was a weapon of offense, not just defense. You think of a shield like block, 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 and that's good. That, that was their primary Thing. But the Roman soldiers, they were taught to fight, right, with these shields. So they would do this. They would, and the thing is, it didn't matter if you were left-handed, right-handed. Every soldier had to ha- have the shield on the left hand, by the way. So sorry for left-handers. That would have been something. But they fight with their foot, left foot forward, and remember that they had those nails on the bottom of their shoes. So they would dig them in, and they would take the back foot and dig that in as well. And then they would take the shield, and they would lean forward into it while holding, holding the, the sword. And then they would use the shield first to, to hit or to smack, causing the enemy to kind of like stumble. And if they were to stumble, at that moment, he'd be like, Sh-! and he would be victorious in that battle because his, sword led, his shield led the attack. As, as soon as they would give way, imagine, imagine getting hit with a piece of wood that was almost the size of a door by someone who's trained to use it. You would lose your balance. You might drop your sword. You know, you might try to like, you, you see it coming, you might try to block like this, which is bad too, because if you do this, then you, you're, getting, you're getting stabbed, right? So what, it was part of the weaponry that they would fight with. Some of you right now, you guys felt sorry for that imaginary guy that just died. Some of y'all. Some of y'all were like, Dad, it's a shame, though. He was just trying to live his life. He didn't need that sword going through him like that. And some of y'all actually felt bad at this moment, you know? But this is a picture of aggressive faith. We don't talk about that much. We talk about having faith and sitting and folding our hands and waiting on the Lord, which is what the Word tells us to do. But also, also we have, that's why this sermon is so important. That's why being led by the Spirit is so important. Because the Spirit will lead you to sit and wait. And the same Holy Spirit that we serve, the same God will say, get up and march over there. Get up and conquer that over there. Get up and don't stay still. There's, an, there's, an, there's a part of our faith that needs to be aggressive. That can't just, we, you know, that we won't be able to get to where we get to by waiting and sitting and doing nothing. Sometimes it takes an action on your end. It takes some work on your end, some sacrifices on your end. Faith development. Mm. We are living in times 
that the goal in the life of many Christians right now, nobody in our church, right, nobody here, but there's some Christians somewhere else, that their main goal is just to maintain the status quo, meaning I'm just doing what everyone else is doing. I just want to be comfortable. Yeah, I don't mind going to church. I don't mind maybe logging into a Bible study. But you know what? I don't want my life to be disrupted. I don't want to have to change my schedule for God. I don't want to have to change my hobbies and habits for God. I don't want to change. I shouldn't have to change my priorities for God. And so what happens is you have a generation of so-called Christ followers. This is, this, is, this, is, this, is why, this is why, Lighthouse, we just got to accept that we'll never have thousands of people in our church because people don't want to hear this. But it's okay. If you want truth, if you want truth, you find a place and go get it. But, 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 uh, not going to get me in trouble. People watching this online. It doesn't matter. I don't want to change anything. We have the generation of Christ followers that love the worship music because it's so nice. And it was great. Worship is great, right? They love the music. They play the music all the time. They have all the songs memorized because it, it, it's so emotional for them. Because this is the thing. Some people look at worship music as an emotional movement in their life. Because y'all know, sometimes y'all be like, yo, that song hit me right here. Yo, it hit me right here. God, you speaking. I know you speaking. And then you don't do nothing. Like, I don't get it. Like, you know, you cry about God talking. Like, oh, my God, he's talking to me. What he say? Oh, he said, I got to my, get my life together. Okay, are you going to do it? No, nah, no, nah, I ain't going to do it, though. Uh, we got people that are not willing to submit. These Christians, they are not willing to submit. And what they do is they wait for the devil to attack. And then when the devil does, they're like, oh, my God, I don't know what's happening in my life. <sighs> They are afraid. Many are afraid of getting hurt because of relationships. Just listen, your walk with God involves relationships, not only with Jesus, but with one another. And we hold back because I don't want to be Al's friend. He's too rough. He's too rough. He'll tell me the truth, and I don't know if I can handle that. And so, therefore, we distance ourselves, and we don't build relationships within the body. We're, t- we're afraid of taking risks. Volunteer for that? Oh, no. Uh, I've never taught in my life. Or this and that. Oh, I don't know how to work with kids. And this and that, right? right? We, we, we do these things, and we're afraid of taking risks. And therefore, sometimes we don't realize that God is trying to, what's my purpose? Well, work with the kids. No, nah, no, nah, I don't want to work with kids. But what's my purpose, God? <laughs> we're afraid of pain because even in the body of Christ, we will experience rejection at some point. So I'll tell you in advance, someone may reject you in some form. They may reject your character. They may, they, they may reject your help. They may reject your, just your advice. Whatever the case may be, it happens. So that's the heads up. 
So they go, oh, nobody ever told me. I told you right now. But this aggressive faith is a picture of a church, right? That's that, that of the church of the living God rising up as the army of God attacking the devil and putting the devil on the run. That feels good, right? Kick them in the butt. Meaning people are going to say, no, not me, Satan, not my kids, not my wife, not my family, not my home. Some of y'all got to make those declarations and be like, you know what? No, I'm fighting back. Matthew 16, 18 says, and I say to you that you are Peter and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Why do we think Jesus said this to Peter? Gates of Hades shall not prevail against the church. I could be wrong, but the last time I checked, gates don't attack people. Can that door attack you right now? Right? Can, can, can a gate hurt you? Perhaps what this is about is about the church making a decision to stand firm in God's word, standing up, storming the gates of hell like U.S. Marines, kicking butt, taking names, pulling back what the enemy has stolen from us. And in that moment, the gates of hell cannot prevail. They cannot withstand the onslaught, the, 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 the attack of the saints. This, the enemy has stolen much from many of us. He's stolen much from, any, from many of us. And, and in just thinking about that, I remember I think about the story of David when he was off to war and when he came back and they had stolen the women, they had stolen all. Remember, remember that story like that? And, he, and it came to a time that he was like, you know what? Nah, I'm going to go get back what's mine. How many of us right now can, can picture something, someone, some relationship, some circumstance, something in their life that, that, that the enemy has stolen from you? For some of you guys, it's a spirit of joy that is gone. And y'all walking around like y'all eating with, with, what was those sour balls? What were these? What was it? What was crybabies? Remember the crybabies? He'd be like, <laughs> the enemy has stolen joy from you, and you're walking around just defeated. It's time to stand up and take it back. No, I'm not going to sit comfortably here and wait for the enemy to attack. I'm going to put on my armor. Stand up to the enemy as I claim ground for the kingdom of God. You know, that decision right there separates the boys from the men. The men from the boys, the women from the girls. And in our walk with God... It's simple to see sometimes those that have made that decision. You may not think it's evident, 
But it's easy, it's, it's not hard to see those that have made the decision to say yes. The enemy may look scary. He may be a little intimidating. But I know who I am. And I got this armor that God, that, that God gave me. And I'm going to go over there and kick his butt. Some of y'all were able to do that in the world, and y'all can't do that now. Some of y'all were so quick to knock somebody out. Right, Zeke? I'm on my bad. I know. Too soon, too soon, too soon, too soon, too soon, too soon. I love Zeke. He was just defending himself. He don't, he don't be picking fights with nobody. He's a good kid. But I'm going to tell you right now that some of us were so quick to hurt somebody in the street. And now, the one who we need to go put a hurting on, y'all like, nah, I don't know about that. I don't know if it's my time right now. I got to get more in the word. I got, yeah, well, get, just do it then. Do it. All right, all right, all right, all right. The third fact, the third fact is that shields have names on them. Y'all didn't, I didn't, yo, I learned this. Like this week, shields, the Roman shields had inside the Roman shields, they had the name of the Roman soldier on it. And on top of having the name of the Roman soldier in it, it also had the name of his centurion, which is the the, the officer that led that unit. So like, you know, it would be like Sergeant Diaz and it would have Captain, oh, I forgot his name, whatever. It would have my captain's name on it, Right? And that's crazy. It's crazy. Two names. You know, there are two names inscribed in my shield, on my shield of faith right now. First one is Vicente Carlos Diaz. And the second one is Jesus Christ. And do you understand that? He leads me in battle. He's my leader. I submit to him. He say jump, I say how high. He say go grab that, I'll go, yo, you getting grabbed. If he say go stab, you getting stabbed. Whatever, hey, whatever he told me to do, it's going to happen. <laughs> it's going to happen. Again, this paints a picture for us. This time, right, this time it's painting a picture of... The, the personal nature of our faith. Yes, we can pray for one another. Yes, we can confide in one another. Yes, we can encourage one another. But ultimately, ultimately, faith involves two people. You and the Lord. You and the Lord. I remember when my parents were, were, were stressing because of me and the life I was living. And my mom would always be like, my, my faith in God is not going to save you, son. She would say it in Spanish, but she's like, my prayers protect, you know, I know I pray, she prayed, and I, I believe her prayers, protect, a lot of it was protecting, you know, there was a lot of protection over my life because of those prayers. But my soul cannot reach eternity based on my mom's faith in God. I have to make a decision. 
I have to say, I accept you. I receive you. I'm a sinner. I'm wrong. I need you as my Lord and Savior. And then I have to live my life according to the word of God, surrendered completely to him. Your faith can't save somebody for eternity. The name, my name and the name of Jesus. Remember the name of, the name of Jesus is also part of our weaponry, right? It's part of our, uh, our, our armor. It's part of our, you know, like when people got a bunch of guns and stuff like that. It's part of our armory. Arsenal, that's the word I wanted. Dang. Oh, man, that's, that's, that's two weeks in a row. Thanks, Mike. Um, it's part of our arsenal, Right? Remember recently, I believe it was like a month or two, maybe three, we talked about the power of the name of Jesus. And, and, and because we talked about it, I'm, I'm going to kind of run through this part really quick because we kind of already spoke about this. But, but I want us to understand that John 14, 13, 14, verse 13 or 14 says, you can ask for anything in my name and I will do it so that the Son of God can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. But, but as I mentioned in that sermon, right, that just saying the name of Jesus isn't some hocus-pocus, alakabam. It's not a magic word or a magic formula. You can't just name something, claim something, and tack on in the name of Jesus at the end of it, and then expect for it to happen. Because then when it doesn't happen, then, then what happened? Did God not want that? Is God not real? Can he not do it? You know what I mean? It leads to a whole bunch of mess. Using the name of Jesus, as I mentioned that time, is an acknowledgement that I'm a representative of Jesus Christ. Are you guys being true representatives of Jesus Christ? Are you? Are you guys doing it? Do your words and actions reflect Christ? Acts chapter 4, verse 17 to 18. It says, but to keep them from spreading their propaganda any further, <laughs> we must warn them to not speak to anyone in Jesus' name again. So they called the apostles back, back in and commanded them to never again speak or teach in the name of Jesus. Really quick, what's happening here is that we're preaching and the, the council members and the high priests and some of the Sadducees, they got together and they're like, yo, what are you doing? You know, spreading all this to Jesus stuff. So like, listen, they arrested them and they're like, we're going to let you go, but you guys can't preach or teach in the name of Jesus. Man, it shook them though. It really shook them. But this proves to us that Peter and John, they were speaking, they were preaching, they were teaching in truly in the name of Jesus. The people were identifying this. People were acknowledging this. It was like they were acknowledging who was behind this. They truly were his representatives. But you know what? This is also a heavy, heavy responsibility. Think of a U.S. ambassador. I found a place for it, Shannon. Think of a U.S. ambassador stationed in any country. Somebody pick a country quick. Spain, Turkey. So you got a U.S. ambassador in Spain, you got one in Turkey. And all of a sudden, 
somebody is bad-mouthing that U.S. ambassador. You know, they're hanging out there in a room full of people, and they're just coming at them. They're, they're destroying their character. They're just saying a bunch of stuff, blah, blah, and, and anger is starting to, to rile up in this U.S. ambassador. But you know what? It doesn't matter what is said to you. It doesn't matter what is done to you. It doesn't matter what is said about you. All that matters to this U.S. ambassador is his response. Because he represents the entire United States of America. And the last thing a U.S. ambassador wants to do is because of his own emotions, his own anger, his own feelings, come out his mouth and they say, oh, so that's what the U.S. is about? No, no, I'm saying it. No, 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 but you represent the United States. And that's what happens with each and every one of you when y'all come out your face. And then you hear what you don't like to hear. You call yourself a Christian. I don't like to hear that. I, and, and there are some times that people say it out of spite, but there are some times that people inside are like, yo, you supposed to be a Christian? No, I don't want to do nothing with that. This is the God that you serve? He about that? No, 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 it's not him, it's me. No, 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 but you say you represent him. In the name of Jesus is a statement of representation before, but before representation there needs to be relationship. No relationship, no authority. I'm going faster here because we talked about this stuff. We talked about the sons of Sceva. They didn't, know who, they didn't know the name of Jesus. They didn't know who Jesus was. They just saw Paul saying in the name of Jesus. They're like, oh, well, he did it. I'm going to do it too. And he got, they got their butt whooped when they tried to take a demon out of someone. In the last sermon, right, in the last sermon, we talked about uh, um, when you truly understand that you're representing the Lord and his interests, there's an authority and a power that comes along with that. And we used the example of the police officer with the badge. Someone could say something to you, get up. You're not like, I'm going to get up. Someone with a badge says, get up. You're like, okay, I'll get up, officer. No problem. I don't want no problem. I don't want a problem. It wasn't the person. Because if that guy didn't have no badge on, you'd be like, I'm going to get up. But the second you see the badge, you're like, you know what? I don't want no trouble today. Let me just stand up. Let me just do what he say. We talked about that. In this spiritual war, you can be confident that if you're representing the interest of the kingdom of God, not your own, you will have all the backing of God's power and authority. And that's wonderful to know when, the, when, I, when I'm in a fight. If I'm in a fight and the biggest, baddest, strongest guy says, I got you. You'd be like, woo! <laughs> I got stories about that, but I won't. Not here. Those are, those are fire. I got, I got a couple fire pit stories for that one. This is live. It'll be recorded. It'll be played over again. I can't do that. I can't do that. Can you imagine? You be walking all, that's right. You see him? He with me. He with me. He with me. Romans 8, 31, the second part of that verse says, if God is for us, who can ever be against us? Ever. Listen, the, the power of the name of Jesus brings signs and wonders. Acts 4, verse 30, stretch out your hand with healing power. May Miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. 
The power of the name of Jesus brings healing. Acts 3, chapter, uh, chapter 3, verse 6. But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ of the Nazarene, the Nazarene get up and walk. There's healing. The power in the name of Jesus brings deliverance from demonic powers. Demonic powers, demonic presence, demonic possession, all that is real. Acts 16, verse 18 says, this went on day after day until Paul got so exasperated that he turned and said to the demon within her, notice, he's, notice the word of God, he, he's not, he turns to this woman, but he's not talking to this woman, he's talking to the demon within her. And many times, you know, there's, there's, there's people in our lives that are maybe just uh, maybe being demonically influenced to, to, to make our lives a living hell, and we, we put that person on the list like, I hate this person. No, 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 you should hate the demon within her, within him. And he turns to the demon and says to the demon within her, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And instantly it left her. Fact number four about the shield. And this one's based around united faith. So back in those days, right, um, let's say the Roman soldiers were attacking a city. When they wanted to conquer a city, um, they would move forward and they would have their shields in front. All good until they got close enough to those city walls where the enemy were standing on the walls and they were shooting arrows down. And now a barrage of arrows are going through the sky and it's a threat to the Roman soldier. It was difficult to, pr to protect yourself from that kind of aerial assault. Arrows, they move fast. They move fast, right? And by the time you see it, it's probably because it's hitting you. <laughs> like by the time you see it, like an arrow, it's coming. Oh, it's arrow's coming. And then it hits you. <laughs> That's the only difference between a bullet and an arrow. Like you can see the arrow, no, and no, just prepare. It's going to hit you. A bullet is just going to, you don't see it. Um, it came so fast. And the only way you can see where the arrows were coming from, right, you have this big door in front of you is to lower the door of the shield and then look to see where the arrow's at. Again, leaving your head exposed. Leaving your head exposed. But the Roman army had an effective strategy. You see, another fact about these shields was that the edges were constructed that they could interlock with one another. Crazy, right? So they would stand, and, and so what they would do is at the first row, would put all, would lock their, their, their shields together and create like this shield wall. If you guys watch any of those Viking things, remember like shield wall, and they would all, right? And so what happens is the row behind them would do the same. They interlock theirs, but their job, the row behind them, is to elevate their, shield, their shields. So now you have the first row with their shields in front, blocking their bodies, and you have the row right behind them, and their job was to lift their shields, interlock it over them, and so now they have a little roof of protection, and the second row is okay because the row in front is protecting that. And so it's like that as it goes all today, and so what's happening is it's creating this roof 
over their head. And now, with coverage in the front and on top, they can continue to move forward protected. They were united in doing so. United. There's something about, there's something powerful about united faith. Now, I said faith is something individual. It's for you and God, right? Because there's a personal part of that relationship. There's a personal part of your faith. But when, but when you take your faith, and even though you have your own personal relationship, but then you interlock with another sister or brother in the Lord, and you interlock with another sister or brother in the Lord, what's happening is you're creating the same effect in the spiritual world. Spiritually, in this spiritual war, when you isolate yourself, I don't even know if we're there yet. I don't know if we're there yet. I don't, don't want to skip because that was pretty good. I don't want to have to. Y'all know where I'm going, though. Leviticus chapter 26 Verse, 20, uh, verse 26, uh, verse 8 says, five of you will chase a hundred, and a hundred of you will chase 10,000. That's some weird math right there. All your enemies will fall beneath your sword. The more there's power and strength when we come together, not isolate. Listen, if you isolate during your trials, during your tribulations, during your spiritual attacks, then what you're doing is you're, you're, you're the guy out here like, shoot me, shoot me. You're the, and everybody else is protected. Everybody else is behind this wall, protected. And guess what? There's people in there holding a shield up that by themselves, they can't handle it. They can't, they can't do it. Matter of fact, anybody here on the, won't be able to handle some of the barrage of arrows coming from the, from the enemy's walls. But together, you, you, united together, there's power in that. Matthew 18, 19 says, I also tell you, if two of you agree here on earth concerning anything you ask, my Father in heaven will do it. United faith is powerful. Do it for you. It's powerful. It's time to stop being that guy in the movie that gets upset with the situation and says, I'm going on my own and ends up getting either eaten by a monster, eaten by a zombie, uh, a shot or killed because he was on his own. You guys know the movies, right? Stay together. That's how people survive. Stay together. And there's always one. Ah! And he's the one that gets eaten up later because he left on his own. The enemy is looking like a lion whom he will devour. And if he sees a big old wall with a bunch of shields and a bunch of people united, he's going to look for somebody that's, oh, she's by herself. That's easier. And you become the prey. Last fact, the shield was carried on the left arm. I mentioned this earlier, right? And used to repel all types of attacks. The scripture talked about fiery arrows. That's when, you know, they would dip the arrows in whatever, tar, whatever they would use, and they would light it, and they would shoot it, and you see the flame going through the sky. There were some movies that would have all the lit arrows going through the sky, and you're like, wow, it's beautiful. 
the hope was when you had this shield, right, that when the fiery arrow, well, the enemy's hope was that when they would hit you with this fiery arrow, when the arrow would make impact with the shield, they knew it would not go through the shield. But they knew that there was like, like a mini bootleg explosion when the arrow hit because of the impact and the flame and stuff like that. And they were hoping to cause a temporary fear for that at that moment, the soldier would drop it, exposing him to the enemy and for them having an opportunity to then attack. If I can just scare you. Y'all hearing this? Let me shoot things at you. Let me shoot this at you. Let me shoot that at you. And if I can just distract you, scare you, make you doubt the integrity of the shield. Oh, it's not going to hold up. It's burning on the outside. It's not going to hold up. I'm chucking the shield. Don't chuck the shield. Don't do that. Don't throw it down. I was boogie boarding one time, and I went too far into the ocean. Too far. And then we got caught in an, uh, on a current. So I'm trying to swim into the ocean, back to the beach, and we're getting pulled out into sea. Serious, true story. And I was with my friend who was right next to me, and all we had were these boogie, boogie boards. And he's like, yo, I'm ditching the board. I'm like, don't ditch the board! <laughs> we're off the coast of a military base. Somebody should find us. Like, in my mind, I'm like, if we just float here, at least for a day, somebody will find us. Thank God we swam, we, we, they teach you to swim uh, vertical, like horizontally against the current toward the beach, and, and that's, that, that's the way to do it. But in the moment of panic, he was ready to throw away the one thing that was sustaining life. We were floating on these things. You think I'm going to throw this away? But we do the same thing with the shield of faith. This is the thing that is sustaining, it's protecting, it's guarding. And yet when problems show up and when things start to scare us or we go into a panic, we drop it, we throw it, and exposing ourselves to the enemy. What does it look like when you throw it? Oh, I think I'm getting ahead of myself. It's okay, it's okay. We're good, we're good. What does it look like you throw it? When you have the opposite of faith. It's a shield of faith. You know what? Fear causes you to throw that on the, on the ground. When you have fear coming into your life, that's the opposite of faith, and you're throwing that on the ground. You're no longer having faith in a powerful God that promises victory. You know what those fiery darts look like? They look like discouragement. What's the use? God doesn't listen to me anyway. Throw the shield. Fear. Oh, I can't do that. I'm too scared to do that. Throwing down the shield. Sickness, guilt, disappointment, anxiety, depression. Whatever it is that you are facing, whatever it is that you're going through, whatever the enemy is saying that because of that, you can't be uh, victorious. The enemy is a liar. He uses these things, all these things that, that, that I mentioned, plus more, to make you doubt the integrity of the shield. 
You need to lift up your shield and, and keep marching. Keep marching. When you refuse to do what God wants, church, listen to this. If God says go left and you go right, at that moment you left your shield where you were supposed to go right. What you've done is God is saying go this way. You're like, now I want to go this way. And so you, you, in your head, imagine that the moment that you go against what God wants, you've left your shield at the place of conversation. And you've walked away from it. And then many of us, then again, we wonder, why am I going through so much spiritual attack? Because you disobey God. That's why. Oh, that's kind of harsh, Pastor. Why you got to talk to me like that? Why you got to talk to me like that? Why this? Why this? Why? 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 And then you got to get to a point where you're like, oh, God, you asked me like last year to submit, and I've been fighting against that. You even asked me for me to get my life right, my lifestyle right, to surrender to your word, to surrender to, to your desires in all areas of my life. Now I know why some things are happening to me. Because I disobeyed, because I rebelled. You know, what the Roman soldiers would do in preparation for those fiery darts is that they would dip their shields in water. Remember, it was, it was wood that's coated in leather. You leave those things in water long enough, it soaks up. So the, the, wood, the wood within is soaked. In, wood doesn't dry really quick. You ever go camping, you know that when firewood is wet, you're like, ah. <laughs> and then you try to put it when, when you finally get a, a fire started you find all your firewood that you found you lay it around the sides of the fire so that it could try to dry as quick as possible but you know that wood doesn't dry so fast especially when it's been soaked so when those fiery arrows would hit the shields it would extinguish the flame. Those fiery darts, those arrows that the enemy shoots, as a, shoots at us that wants to make us fear and throw down our shield, right? When those fiery darts hit our shields, those flames are extinguished. You see, if you're using a shield of faith that has been soaked in the water of the word, that living water, that same water, that if you drink of it, you will never thirst no more. Then God will keep you through whatever the enemy throws your way. Church, can you stand to your feet, please? Our shields of faith are large enough to cover us from the enemy our shields of faith are also weapons to use as we fight in this war 
are shields of faith, have your name and the name of Jesus Christ on the inside of it. Faith is between you and God. My faith can't save you. My preaching can't save you. My teaching can't save you. My four, the four-hour conversations that I have with some of y'all can't save you. <laughs> yes, I can pray for you. Yes, I can stand by you as we fight this spiritual war. But I can't swing that sword for you. I can't do it. I can't swing mine and swing yours. And guess what? You know, when it comes down to that, I got I to gotta look out for me. My, my spiritual life. My eternity. It's an individual battle that you guys have to fight. Being here on Sundays, being here on Tuesdays, being here on, on Thursdays, getting together to go out to eat with one another on, 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 when, on random times. Those that the enemy devours are those that lacked in their training. They slept on reading their word of God. Or oh, we used to say back in the day, they lunched on it. Remember back <laughs> They didn't do it. They didn't read. They didn't pray. They didn't seek out godly friendships and relationships. They didn't seek out godly counsel. These are all things that we do that we're guilty of that goes against the training and preparation that God wants for you I can't walk this walk for you you need to know what the word of God says you need to have a relationship of prayer with God yourself you guys need that Our shields of faith are even more powerful when we unite together. Who is ready? Church, who is ready? But who is ready to pick up their shields this morning and place their faith in a God that, that there is nothing that can take us down? Who's ready to keep on fighting? Who's ready to fight for their families? Who's ready to fight for their children? Who's ready to fight for their marriage? Who's ready to fight? Stop giving the enemy ground. Pick up your shields and march 